Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Welcome to Crack and Open with Mike and Elise. Today we have a very special episode for you today because we're not just sipping beer and talking about the notes. We are actually going right to the source. That's right. It's another interview episode, baby. Who are we talking to? <laughs> so this week we are talking to Devin, the head brewer at Middle Coast Brewing Company located in Traverse City, Michigan. That's right. We're going to the Great Lakes. We traveled far to bring you this interview. And by far, I mean Zoom. <laughs> So if you're interested, we are drinking their seltzers this episode, not beer. So this is kind of a seltzer focused episode where we do a little talk about beer. But if you're interested, this is we got the Middle Coast Brewery mixed seltzer pack with cucumber lime, cranberry grapefruit and sweet tart cherry. Uh, And they are coming out with a holiday seltzer flavors in Connecticut soon. It's already out in Michigan. So that's one of the reasons that they wanted to talk to us about it. And something to look out for at your local liquor store. And if you don't see it, ask for it. All right. Under the interview. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No problem. Fire away. Well, h- how did you uh, get started with brewing? Uh, well, I, I actually started out as um, a, a bartender quite a few years ago. And I was one of those weird people that when uh, I was serving drinks, I wanted to know as much about everything as I could. And I, so I did a ton of research about all the different liquors I was serving and different wines and beers. And then I had a, a grandfather who was a, a winemaker. You know, he, he did the homebrewed wine. And so I made a batch or two of wine with him so I could understand the process. And I just didn't have the patience for that. Uh, <laughs> and, and so um, I wanted to learn more about beer and, and how beer was made and what it was. And so I actually grabbed a book and started doing some research and then started homebrewing. So that's kind of, that's kind of what got me into it. Uh, well, when was the decision or what was the moment that you decided, you know what, I want to actually work in a brewery, not just homebrew, actually go one step forward, I guess, or a hundred step forward, I guess. <laughs> um, well, let's see. I would say the first time I, I decided I really wanted to be a professional brewer is, well, there's always that moment with most home brewers when, when uh, you give your beer to a professional and they're like, wow, that's a really nice beer. And it's not one of those moments where a lot of times when you, when that happens, you can tell they're just being nice. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, yeah. There's, but I, I developed uh, a relationship with uh, a brewer here in town, um, and he understood that um, 
I went to art school and so I knew how to take her critique and I knew how to um, have my hopes and dreams dashed on the floor. <laughs> so, uh, so he was always really honest with me. And in the, the first couple of times I came and brought him a beer and he was like, wow, you finally hit it on the head. This is great. You know, you're doing a good job. I asked him for a job. So. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is that your art behind you? I uh, know that's actually my daughter. I have, I have, well, couple, it's in the genes then. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple kids and uh, four of them actually. And, and uh, two of them love to paint. So um, my walls are adorned with many paintings. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that was really the impetus is the fact that, well, one day I finally got it right. And um, I, I asked that brewer for a job and he said he needed an assistant. And so then I, I moved into professional brewing for about three or four years at that point. Uh, and then I left again because I was pursuing my original career was, uh, as a photographer. So, and then, uh, well, I was going to say the, um, the world of photography changed immensely over time, you know, with digital mm -hmm. photography and the uh, economy tanked and it was just harder and harder to make a living as a photographer. Uh, so I, um, uh, I went back to brewing and um, slowly found my way into uh, what I'm doing now. When was it that you decided about Middle Coast? When did when did that come into the picture? I had um, interviewed for a couple head brewer positions around town as they came around. And um, I was always uh, a bridesmaid, just never a bride. You know, I, I was always second, <laughs> always second. And I, you know, and understandably, I lost to uh, a couple of really great brewers, you know, lost out on those jobs. And uh, those brewers have gone on to great things. And so I was just patient and bided my time. And I found out that there was a new brewery opening up here in Traverse City. And um, I found out the name of the people and found out when they were coming to town. And I basically hunted them down at a beer festival and said, I hear you're opening a brewery. I'm Devin. I'm a brewer and I want the job. And uh, that led to some interviews and a few other things. And I got the job. All right. Nice. <laughs> Taking control. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've never asked this before. When you when you apply for those jobs, do you have to like give them some of your like home brew some beers and be like, this is what you can expect from me? Or is it more, hey, this is what I've done and you just hand them a normal resume? Or is it kind of like a taste off? <laughs> so it starts out as is basically just like any job with a resume and um, you know, uh people giving you recommendations and whatever based on, you know, and they look at your past history. And a lot of times they'll call the people that you're giving references uh, from, especially in the brewing industry, because they want to actually know if you, you know, you're lying through your teeth or you've, you've, you've got something good going on. The interview process for this job was one of the weirdest I've ever gone through, truthfully. Um, because the, when, when the, the owners came to town, we just went out drinking and they never asked me a darn thing about beer. <laughs> you know, we just, we just hung out and, you know, just talked and he had, a, we had a great time. And, uh, I even, uh, offended him once, uh, or twice maybe. And, but, uh, it was great. We had a really nice time. And then, and then one day, uh, I was, I was hanging out. One of the, one of the, one of the guys is still continue. I'm a majority owner now was in town and he took me out to lunch. He said, I want to offer you the job. And I said, well, that's great. You know, and I, you know, I'd love to have the job, but I got to ask you, this was the weirdest interview process I've ever had. We went out drinking three times and you never once talked to me about brewing beer or what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. And I said, well, we already had decided that we thought you would be a good brewer. You know, we talked all your references and stuff, but we just wanted to know if we could sit down and have a beer with you. I mean, if, if you were a jerk, we didn't want to hire you. And so <laughs> that's that fair. was, that's perfectly fair. Yeah, that was it, you know? So, Yeah. I was going to say, maybe the, the they were judging you by what beers you chose while you guys were out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. 
<laughs> no, so it was it was basically just a, a, a an interview of just a, a get to know me kind of thing. So it was a bit of a long story on how I got here, but that that's it. Awesome. Now a little bit more specifically into some of the beers you guys brew. So we were doing some research of our own, and we read that you guys had a West Coast IPA, and mm-hmm. you had a Midwest IPA. So we're right. familiar with I, West Coast, and we're familiar with obviously New England IPA. We're from we're in Connecticut. Uh, but oh, okay. we've never even heard of a Midwest IPA before. Can you explain what that is and what makes kind of what special? makes it so special? Yeah, what, what's different between? Well, let's see. How do I phrase this? Uh, the great thing about art is you can make shit up. Um, <laughs> we, uh, so there really is no such thing as a Midwest IPA. Oh, thank God! We thought we were we thought we were crazy. <laughs> what is it? Oh my God! <laughs> so so what it is is we use a lot of local grains and a lot of local hops and. Um, it is based basically off a of West Coast style IPA. What I did is I lowered the uh, IBUs on it uh, down to like, I think if, if I remember right off the top of my head, like 62 IBUs, which is not really high for an IPA. Yeah. But um, I, I put in a lot of uh, uh, dry hops with for, for aroma. One of, my, one of my theories in brewing is that, that the bitterness, the IBUs are, it's an overrated like system of, of, of judging beers that the perceived bitterness, uh, that comes from aroma is so much more important. So mm-hmm. I lowered, I lowered the alcohol down to uh, 6.3, I think. And I think we have 62 or 63 IBUs, but, uh, we worked with uh, water chemistry and a few other things to really bring out the aromas and, and stuff to really make it pop. And, and so that perceived bitterness is there without blowing your taste buds out and, 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 you know, making that, you know, so you can enjoy something else afterwards. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. So that's why I called it a Midwest IPA because, well, I mean, why not? Exactly. Hey, huh? You made it your own. You tinkered with it. Exactly. It is now right. a, mid, a Midwest, uh, Midwest IPA. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, so the big thing when we, when we found you guys or you guys found us a little bit of both, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, we started talking, um, to some of you guys at the brewery or whoever runs your Instagram, I guess, uh, is you guys are doing big on the seltzer now, I guess, especially with these new holiday seltzers. We were only able to find a Connecticut, your regular ones, but we got the cucumber uh, lime here. The cucumber them. lime is awesome. And the well, thank cherry you. and the cranberry grapefruit. So yeah. what was the decision to do seltzer? Was it just, Hey, this is really catching on. Um, and we should try to catch on with that. Or you had some idea on how to do seltzer a little differently. Cause I gotta say this cucumber lime is definitely different than most of the other seltzers I've had. It's very good, yeah. we, um, but it's very flavorful. It's, yeah. it's, it's not like yeah. a white claw. <laughs> no. We have a couple of local so cucumber- breweries around here that, that also use, you know, natural flavors and colors, but they, they pale in comparison as far as flavor goes. Like this is just like awesome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, um, I would say uh, the impetus for us getting into seltzer was the other brewer, Joel and I were um, cleaning his garage one afternoon. It was really hot outside and we didn't have any beer with us. And somebody had left some seltzer in his garage and we started drinking it and didn't realize how potent it was. And it was just so nice and refreshing on a hot day. Mm-hmm. And we both got fairly drunk fairly quickly. Uh, and we were like, wow, we should really do this because it's really nice to have something that's so fresh and refreshing. And sometimes you just, you know, as much as I love beer, cause I really, really do. Sometimes it's nice to have something else that's still refreshing and a little alcoholic, you know? So 
Mm-hmm. That was that was really the the impetus for it. That the fact that you know we just we enjoyed having something easy drinking and crushable while you're you know working on a hot day. So that was it. And then when we started developing the seltzers, it took us a long time to do it to get the flavor as clean as possible. You know, there's a lot of seltzers out there that have like a, a weird like finish and aftertaste to it. And right, yeah, first, that's why it's tough for me to find a good seltzer. Yeah. So our first few tries, uh, you know, we, we worked for months to try and get that out. Um, and, and it took us a long time. We finally found the right combination, the right way to do it. And, you know, we've, we finally got a, a seltzer base that's just really nice and clean and drinkable by itself. And then with that, then we were able to start adding the, the, the flavors that we wanted. And the flavors are, are really good and unique. Yeah, like very unique. I love like the cucumber lime is great. And I hate, hate, hate with a passion cucumber. cucumber, but it's so refreshing. And, and it just works with the lime to make it such like you said, it, it makes this so much more crushable because it kind of calms that lime down. Uh, and then obviously we weren't able to find some, we, we searched for like 12 different I liquor called, stores. Yeah. Here. Like literally 10 different liquor stores. And like, they were like, who, who, who? I was like, no, you're listed on their website. <laughs> so we definitely got to try to spread the word. That's, that's the, that's the, that's our goal here. Yeah. Uh, but your holiday flavors too. sound really, really interesting. How did you come across or come about coming up with all these holiday seltzers? Cause I, Peppermint I really haven't seen anybody snap. else do that. Sounds well, so we, um, so we were we were deciding, you know, we, we got our original three flavors out that you have. And uh, there was a lot of fun developing those flavors and the concepts behind them. And then we were we were sitting around talking about what the next thing would be and how we would do it. And we were talking about, you know, a winter seltzer pack or whatever. And we're like, you know what? Nobody's ever done a holiday seltzer. Everybody does a holiday beer, a holiday this. and ho- But nobody's ever done a holiday seltzer that we knew of. And since then, we've seen a few other people come out with some. So we just started thinking about flavors that would be weird and fun to try. And we tried a lot of different concepts and a lot of them just didn't work. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you this, eggnog does not work in a cell. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you took the hit for all the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, we, we tried like four or five different iterations and trying to like get the flavoring just right. And it was, woo, no. <laughs> Oh, we just never, never could, never could get it there. Never. <laughs> you can't have eggnog without cream. And yeah, wow. I was going to say it must be the dairy. Yeah. Yeah. So we, it was, it was a fun try and we, we had, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of fun on, on, on flavor development days. Cause we literally just sit around a table with soda water and take the different natural flavorings that we have. We order a whole bunch of different con- uh, flavorings, you know, we just different things and start blending them in glasses and literally drops at a time just to mm-hmm. start developing flavors and seeing where they go and how they taste together and, and the way they, they blend, you know, because you could have one, like say the lime, for instance, is really a strong, powerful flavor. And then when mm-hmm. you start adding a little drop of that cucumber in there, it's actually, I think about, three to one, the amount of cucumber versus lime in there, you start really seeing the the flavor change and, and adjust and mellow and that, that lime kind of softened up, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then the cucumber to me never really comes through as like a strong cucumber flavor. And, no, not at all. Um, and a lot of people didn't know when you hand it to them, they don't know what they're drinking. They're like, it's lime, but something else. And, and so unless you know that it's cucumber you're drinking, you might not be able to identify it. Mm-hmm. So 
that was just, you know, that was just one of those fun moments where I was, you know, I looked at Joel, I'm like, you know, the lime is good, but we need to we do something to make it different and better and unique that nobody else has tried. And so that's kind of where we went with that one. I think you Mission succeeded. Yeah. 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 Thank you. So the holiday seltzers, the two that we ended up with were a lot of fun to develop. And I, and I have to give uh, other guys on the team credit for the two flavors. Um, one of our owners came up with a peppermint bark on Tom. He's, he, uh, he's like, why not try peppermint bark? And we're like, <laughs> Oh yeah. But I wonder how we can get the chocolate flavor in there and still keep it, you know, with a hundred calories and zero carbs, you know? Oh, so that right. was, that was, uh, something really interesting. And, uh, we pulled it off and we're really excited with how it turned out. And, uh, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And then the, the other flavor we did was, um, ginger snap cookie. Mm. And that's what we, uh, that's what we had originally seen on the Instagram page. Yeah. We were like, Oh, wow. <laughs> we have to like special order it or something. <laughs> yeah. I think that the shipment, uh, of our holiday seltzers are supposed to be coming to Connecticut in the next week or two. Okay. Uh, okay. So, that explains why we couldn't find me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it, you know, we're a really small operation here. I have a 15 barrel system. And so, you know, we're, we're pushing things out as hard and as fast as we can and, and, and uh, trying to cover quite a few states with a really small brewery. And so uh, we're trying to be as efficient as possible, but sometimes it takes a little longer to get out to Connecticut than perhaps. Under, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little further away. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the ginger snap though, we got the flavor right pretty close, you know, as far as the ginger and there's just a touch of cinnamon in there, which helps bring out that, that, you know, that the, the flavor that you're looking for, but there was something missing all the time. And, and it, uh, Joel was the one who had the stroke of genius. He's like, it's missing the flavor that makes it taste like cookie, you know? And, uh, so we went through quite a few things and we had just brewed black is beautiful, which was a social justice uh, fundraising yeah. beer. Mm -hmm. And we did ours as a version with chocolate and macadamia. And Ooh. so we added, uh, it's an all natural macadamia extract from here in Michigan. Uh, oh. so they say that it's, completely safe for people who are allergic to nuts because it's, you know, it's an all natural extract. It doesn't have those things in it. Uh, but Joel had the stroke of genius of thinking, Hey, let's put a little bit of macadamia in there. And it just kind of really, the flavors just really like developed and softened. And you got that, that cookie, that cookie flavor essence that you were looking for just from that, that the macadamia. So that's, wow. that was beautiful. That's such an interesting yeah. addition. Yeah, now I'm even more excited yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we have one other flavor that we had developed, um, but because of just trying to get to market on time, we didn't get all three out this year. So next year, we're going to release a 12-pack for our, our winter pack, and uh, we're going to add the third one in. And I can't let you know what it is because I don't want anybody to steal my idea. Well, nice. <laughs> Understandable. Trade secrets. Yeah. 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 So it's, it, we're, we're really excited with how they all turned out. And, and uh, we're also very excited about the, the, the reception we've gotten in the market. People are really enjoying it. It is, it is a weird concept to come out with a, a flavor, like a, you know, a, a ginger snap cookie or peppermint bark into a seltzer. And so um, it, it it, it was a little bit of a risk, I believe, on our part, but I, I feel like we we pulled it off and, and the reception has been pretty good. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I, even when I was calling around for, for the regular variety pack around here, there was one liquor store in particular that was like, uh, I have like two left, but they're going fast. <laughs> so oh, nice. we got to get there. <laughs> That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Yeah. We, um, the other thing that we did is, um, I don't know if you've noticed on the cans there, which probably isn't as big of a deal for you guys out there, but we have the pure Michigan logo on there. I did notice uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're using a hundred percent, uh, uh, for the fermentation process, a hundred percent beet sugar from the thumb area of Michigan. And, um, all, all of our flavorings are all, you know, like naturals, but they're all come from another Michigan company as well. So it is a pure Michigan product that, that, that you're drinking. So Michigan water, Michigan sugar, that's gone now because it's been fermented out. And then, uh, mm-hmm. the Michigan flavors. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. We- a lot of Connecticut breweries and even, you know, when we get stuff from New York or Massachusetts, they're all like, oh, you know, our grains are local, but then this is from, you know, one of the surrounding states. This is from a different farm upstate New York and this state. And yeah, yeah it's very, it's very rare to see around here anyway, a 100% locally sourced, locally sourced brew. Right. brew. Right. We can do that really well um, with many beers in in the Traverse City area, especially because we have a a really huge hop farm. Uh, MI Local, they do a great job and they've got a lot of different hops available to us. Uh, uh, And we've got two different maltsters where they grow and everything right here locally in malt, too. So we're very lucky in that respect that we have a community that's so supportive and so diverse in, in the brewing industry. So it, that's been, that's been really great for us, but you know, there's those certain hops that you can't get unless you go to uh, one of the big farms out West, you know, the citrus and mosaics and Eldorados, all still patented uh, that only those people who developed them can sell them. So, you know, when you're looking at those special IPAs and things like that, it's, it's nearly impossible to do a traditional, like not a traditional, like one of the newer style American IPAs with the big citrus flavors and stuff that everybody's looking for without going out West for, for the specific hops you need for those flavors. Right. Speaking about kind of bringing it back to brews, um, is there a particular middle coast brew that you're most proud of? or that you think makes your brewery stand out the most? Like if someone was going to go out, let's say you're on draft at a restaurant or they're going through a liquor store and they, they see a selection of your beers, what's the one that you want them to pick out that's to start with or that you would recommend? Oh, wow. That's a really tough one. For me, when I go to a brewery the first time and try a beer, I don't go straight to the IPA. I usually go to a lighter beer, uh, a beer uh, you can't hide behind um, hops or dark malts to see how Hmm. good the brewing process was done and to see, you know, like the, you can really taste the cleanliness and, and the the ability of a brewer in a lighter beer a lot better than you can in an IPA or a stout or a porter. So I would have to say uh, a beer that is a little bit different than most people uh, would taste. It's one of our flagships actually is GW's little white lie. Mm-hmm. It's a Belgian wit with just a touch of Traverse City tart cherry in there. So, I mean, it's really about the, it's a beer forward, you know, it's, and, and the, we use a, a, a Le Chouf strain of, of yeast, uh, which is a traditional Belgian yeast, but we ferment it a little bit colder. So we don't get a lot of the crazy big, big Belgian esters. It's a really nice, clean, beautiful beer. And then with that little bit of tart cherry in there, that, you know, we, we, we source from local farms here 
it's just it's just a really beautiful nice flavor it just kind of mellows that belgian flavor in and which already has you know the soft bubble gum and other mm-hmm. things that are coming out of the belgian yeast and it really blends nicely with that tart cherry so that, that would be the one that'd yeah. be the one i would I hope say that shows up around here <laughs> that sounds like you've just described her perfect beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah i win <laughs> So that would be the one I would say uh, if somebody was going to try something first, I think that's the one that's different enough from other people that, you know, it's, it's a strange uh, blend. I think that a lot of people have not done, uh, mm-hmm. but I think that we pulled it off really well and it's, it's a beautiful beer. I would say, you know, with the other one, we, we released uh, a brand new beer this summer. Uh, it's a ginger Kolsch. So we brewed a traditional German Kolsch and then we actually added uh, some ginger to it. And so it actually tastes a lot like uh, a ginger beer you would buy, you know, to make a Moscow mule or whatever, Ooh. separate with a little bit of Kolsch in the back end. The, the Kolsch flavor lends itself really nicely with those, uh, lemony kind of you know, citrusy flavors that kind of underlie inside the Kolsch to a ginger beer. So that turned out really, really nice. So that's another one. Like it's a summer ale that we brew. It's a seasonal, but that's one I would, if you can get your hands on it, that's a really nice one too. That sounds, say, that, that sounds, sounds like, really refreshing. That, that's, that's my right alley, yeah. alley. With the ginger beer. And then the Kolsch we've been talking about on the cast a lot this summer is the Kolsch is really starting to seem like it's taking off, at least in our area. Like there were Kolsch's, but now there are Kolsch's <laughs> and uh, they keep getting better and better. I've noticed. So this, this summer I, I've commented a couple of times is the summer of Kolsch. <laughs> the summer Polish. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I don't they haven't really uh hit the market here too strongly yet, Kolsch's. Um I'm hoping that they start coming up in popularity because man, I love them and I love brewing them. It's a it's a it's a really nice beer and especially in the summertime, just to drink a straight Kolsch that's done well. It's just it's really good. It's a it's a good yeah. way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I had kept commenting because the summer before that was just here's an IPA. What's it gonna taste like? Papaya, grapefruit. And then this summer it was a lot of cultures and I was like, this is nice, fresh, refreshing. It's mm-hmm. different. So with that, yep. into that, that ginger beer in the front end there, that's, mm-hmm. that's right up my alley. Cause I, I also love Moscow mules a lot. So that works. Yeah. Really I've, well. I've been, I've been known to pour vodka in my ginger Kolsch. Um, well, that's the thing is those, those seltzers that you have, we've done a lot of drink mixing with those as well. Like the, the cucumber lime, if you take any salt or rim and pour it in there over that, oh. so you drink off the salted rim, oh man, that just changes the complexity and everything all right off the top. Uh, Second can coming after this. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe a drop of a nice Anejo tequila in there with the salted rim. Oh, let me tell you, that's, that's something nice too. I, I'm a to call out of work tomorrow. I'm a, I'm a bourbon drinker myself. And I, I like to put the bourbon and the cherry seltzer, you know, we've got all the, the local tart cherry in there, oh, which, yeah. is, which is why it's pink. And, uh, and then a little bit of bourbon in there too. That's really nice. Um, yeah. So it's always, you know, it, that's the nice thing about seltzers is you can, you can do a lot of mixing with them and, and play around. You know, you don't just have to drink them as they've been created. And I won't be offended if you don't. <laughs> All right. My next question. Hopefully it won't offend you. What's your favorite craft beer that's not your own? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's not offensive at all. Um, <laughs> for a long time, uh, my go-to 
Um, IPA was actually another Michigan brewery here and, and it's a big one. You've probably heard of it. Founders. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Mosaic promise is, uh, one of my favorites. And then, uh, there's another, uh, brewery here in Michigan that's pretty big. And, uh, I've, you know, I've watched them grow since I was, uh, just starting out brewing and, and they have a, uh, a Belgian IPA called Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. And that, would be, <laughs> and that would be a shorts brewing company, which is just North of us here. And they were, you know, the guys up there were really helpful to me when we first opened up and I was having trouble sourcing some hops and things like that. And they really helped me out. So, you know, so those would be two like Michigan beers I would go for, like, is it straight up? There's a couple real small craft breweries here in Traverse City, too, that just do, uh, you know, like just local pubs that don't distribute, do a really great job with a lot of their things. And and those are usually my go tos. If there's a one here in, t here in town called uh, the filling station, like when I'm not drinking it at, at my place, I usually go to the filling station for beers. Um, they have just amazing beer there. And the brewer's a great guy. The ambiance is great. The people are great. They've got. Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of if I'm not drinking in my place, that's 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 my go to is to go to one of the other local pubs. And and that one's definitely the, the number one for me. Nice. So that's awesome. And a great segue to my next question. I was question. just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so. Breweries always seem like the most collaborative and supportive of like pretty much all the industries, especially mm -hmm. like in terms of like you have restaurants that are just really com competitive and stuff like that. But when it comes to breweries, they obviously you compete for the top spot on a draft list or you want to sell more at the liquor store. But when somebody needs help, you guys always help each other. You guys collaborate all the time. Why do you think brewing in particular is that way ab above pretty much all other industries? Wow. Um, I've never thought about why. Um, I've always, but like you said, I've always been amazed at how great the industry is around us. You know, if, if I need yeast or if somebody needs yeast, we will always help each other out or grain. Or if I have, uh, like we just came out with a, a German Dunkel recently, uh, for our Christmas ale. It's a German Dunkel with toasted pecans. Ooh. Um, and, uh, I was having troubles just like finishing that last, like perfect thing to make my Dunkel just the right way I wanted it to be. And, uh, there's a brewer here in town. That's probably one of the best brewers of bloggers that I've ever met truthfully. And so I went over and just talked to him and talked over my recipe and what I was looking at and whatever. And, you know, he helped me tweak that just that last little bit to bring it where I wanted it to be. So to go to the original question, I would say. I think that we all understand that if the industry is doing well and everybody around us is doing well, we're only, it's only going to help the, the next person. You know, if like, say your town is known for one good restaurant, people aren't going to come. But if your town is known for seven great restaurants, people are going to come to your town. And it's the same with breweries. You know, if a state or a city is known for great beer and great people. And, you know, if one person's doing well and a second person does well and a third, it only helps the other people around them do well because people want to come and experience the beer culture of that city. And I, I think that maybe that could be part of it is that we understand if one does well, we all do well, as long as we're all making good beer. So it's a good way to think about it. Yeah. That's the way I haven't thought about it yep. before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer because I've always noticed that I've always really liked that about the brewery experience. It's not just obviously it's where people go to come together in a in a community, but there seems to be a community around the brewers and everybody themselves. It's there's no 
antagonistic bone in anybody's body yeah, when you go right. when you go there or there might be competitive obviously but it's always so collaborative collaborative and friendly and it's a great experience anytime you go into a brewery or hear brewers talking about other brewers and stuff like that yeah yeah it's 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 actually a very refreshing industry to be in you know uh when i was a photographer it was a very cutthroat industry you know and oh. and art and, you know, beer is art. It really is. But it's also where science meets art because mm-hmm. there's so much going on on both sides. Um, and so maybe that's where it is, is that uh, to be a really good brewer, you have to be a little bit of both scientist and artist. And you really and and so maybe a jack of all trades can leave their ego at the door better than somebody who specializes 100 percent. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking this through out loud right now. (laughs) No, that's the all good, good reasons. Yeah. So is there a a beer or maybe even a seltzer that you've always really wanted to try, but you haven't been able to do or just haven't done yet? That is like, that's like your dream beer that you haven't done or seltzer. You mean, you mean to try to make, to try to make. Yes. Hmm. Well, the great thing about the ownership group of the brewery that I I work with and for is that they've never told me no. Um, (laughs) If I come up with a crazy idea or a concept, they're like, well, give it a try, you know, (laughs) let's see how you do, you know? Um, And and I've done, I've done a couple of crazy ones and some have turned out really great and some haven't. Hmm. Something that I haven't brewed yet. I can't really think of anything that I haven't really tried brewing. You know, I I've tried uh, even brewing things that I'm not a huge fan of like barley wines. I've, I've gone and done a few of those and tried to make them my own so that I would like them. And it still didn't work. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I did a, a dipa and uh, I'd never done a dipa before I, I started working at this brewery. And, and I, I tried to change it around because I'm not usually a huge fan of dippas. They're usually way too sweet. You know, they've got so much malt on the back end to try and balance out all the hops and alcohol that are in there that I, I just, it, you know, I don't like the malt bomb on my mouth. So I dried, I, I brewed a, a, a dry dipa, but still tried to leave some complexity and balance in there to be able to you know, balance out the amount of alcohol and hops that were in there. And I, I think I did a fairly good job. So that those are, good. those are, yeah, those are the kind of things that, that really uh, turned me on as a brewer is trying to find a way to make a beer that I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of drinking into something that I would like to drink and yet still keeping as close to the style as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess that's, that's the thing uh, you know, there's not one beer that I've, I, brewed or haven't, you know, that I want to brew. It's just finding that path to creating something new and different, but still fits into a style that's been done before. So finding that challenge within each beer type. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what really writing the recipe and creating is, is my, my favorite thing. I mean, that's for me, that's the thing that really just gets me out of bed in the morning is, is creating something new and, and, and the process of, of creation. And then, you know, once it's done and out and people are drinking it, seeing the, the reaction, whether it's a good reaction or a bad reaction or whatever, it's just that the process of invention and, and discovery and whether it turns out well or not, you know, you always learn something new from it. That's, I, that would be the one thing I guess. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so is there, what's next for Middle Coast Brewery now that you've, you've done the, you've done the seltzer, you've hit the East Coast. 
Yep. Uh, like what's, what's on the horizon for middle coast brewery. What's, what's, what's coming. Well, other than the we, holiday seltzers next week here. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, just finished development of a locale session IPA and that will be being released in kegs in about three or four weeks. Um, and then we're finishing up our twist on a, on a new England style IPA. Ooh. Um, and uh, I'm I'm trying something new and different, and uh, so I'm still on a bat, bout bash four or five without being successful for what I'm trying to get to, but I'll get there eventually. I'm j- I'm not going to put something out unless it's it's you know the way I want it, the way it should be. You know, how many um, batches was like the most batches you've gone through before you got something right? Like when's mm-hmm. when's when's quitting time, or or do you just keep going? Well, triple digit. To batches? tell you the truth. <laughs> To tell you the truth, it it was the seltzers creating the seltzer base. That was the hardest thing. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done enough homebrewing over the years and I've, I've, I understand the process and the ingredients well enough in homebrewing, uh, from, you know, that time of, you know, making so many mistakes and screwing everything up when I was, you know, learning and, and being able to just, you know, figure that out on my own that now when I'm developing a recipe, I'm usually, I usually get it within one or two, maybe three tries. So this, the juicy has been a completely different thing because there's a lot more chemistry to it. And, you know, I went to art school. It's, I wasn't good at chemistry and math. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's been a challenge for me. But uh, yeah, I would say the seltzer was probably developing the base and making it, it exactly right was, was really the, 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 it shouldn't be the hardest thing uh, because it's really simple. It's just, you know, sugar and yeast. But getting it right, you know, not having that leftover flavor in the back end was really that was that was the that was the hardest thing. And it took us a lot of tries to get there. That's both surprising and not surprising because so many breweries seem to be jumping on that white claw truly train now. But Mm -hmm. you like you said, they all have that aftertaste. And I can name maybe three seltzers. Yours is one of them where you don't get that aftertaste on it. So at the one hand, everybody can do it. But can you do it right? Like, should you, you do just it do well. it? Yeah. Yeah. Just put it out just because, or should you make sure you get it right? And I think getting it right works. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, now that I've uh, got some middle coast cucumber, <laughs> yeah, cucumber lime, why am I going to go to, you know, so-and-so's hard seltzer that makes me taste this odd vodka at the end of the, uh, every sip. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's a uh, high praise. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I, I, I can tell you there's been a few beers that we, Joel and I, when we had a nano brewery that we developed beers for a, a bar here in town that we did a, a few experimental things. That was another place that we did a lot of stuff and we kind of learned um, what was good and what wasn't and what was acceptable to the public and what wasn't. You know, we, we did a lot of crazy things and I brought a few of them to Middle Coast um, for, you know, just odd things. But uh, we had one beer that we brewed that was just amazing when it first came out. And then it just didn't age well, you know, within three weeks, it just was awful. So, yeah. And it was because I was using ingredients that I probably shouldn't have been using. We, we made, I, I heard about this beer and I'll just give you a quick story. It's funny. I heard about this beer, uh, it's called a German vacation beer, which I had never, I was like, what, what is that? And so I did some research and it was this old style beer where they used a lot of, um, potatoes for the the starches that were converted to sugars and for the brewing process. So I did a lot of research and I, I made a German, it was a potato beer, basically, <laughs> where I would say 
80% of the starches came from russet potatoes. And, uh, right. And I was like, wow, this is really fun and different. And so we made, we made the beer and it tasted really good, like I said. And so we put it on draft at this place where we had been developing these concepts and ideas for. And people were like, oh, this is really good. This is really good. But do you know how when potatoes get exposed to the air, they start oxidizing and turn red and stinky and what? Yeah. Well, that apparently happens to potato beer, too. Um, So after about a week being on draft, we started getting reviews online going, well, I was really excited about this because I heard about it, but it tastes like hot garbage. (laughs) <laughs> we're like, yeah. So we like flew down there and tasted it. And sure enough, it had just turned like overnight. We're not sure exactly what happened. And it's something, it was, it's a flavor I've never had happen to a beer before. So I had to have been from the potatoes. And so we, we pulled it and dumped it. And uh, maybe someday I might go back to that again and see if I can figure out what I did wrong. <laughs> Cause it was a really cool tasting beer. Um, but it just, you know, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I mean, I've tried a lot of crazy stuff and a lot of stuff has worked and a lot hasn't. And that was one that definitely did not work. It's like eggnog seltzer. You just don't want to go there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but luckily that was back in the days uh, before Middle Coast and uh, before, you know, I fully put my reputation on the line 100% out there. <laughs> that was a- no Middle Coast potato beer till you get it right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right there. When you get it right, will you sell it in Connecticut? If I get it really right, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually the uh usually the weird ones pretty much stay local, you know. Um Yeah. Uh, yeah. We we developed a beer a couple years ago for Halloween that was, you know, I I'm I'm not a traditionalist, you know. My my Christmas beer isn't a spiced beer. It's a it's a dunkel with toasted pecans. Um and so my my Halloween beer, I actually brewed a red ale, but it made it really deep, deep red, and we added roasted beets and pomegranate to it. Ooh. And and so it has a pink foam and it's got that earthy undertone from the roasted beets, and then a pomegranate kind of polishes off that earthiness a little bit. And uh so we, we call that one Vampire's Ambrosia, and that's a really fun, fun one that we didn't have time, sadly, this year to do for Halloween because of, uh, well, the seltzers were going crazy and we're a small place. And so we really had to focus our, our efforts on, on making sure that we got the product out to the people we promised it to. But I think that we're in a place this upcoming year that we're going to be able to start putting a lot of those fun, weird beers back out again. Awesome. That sounds Very like cool. a good one. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That's, that's really, I just, I love to like throw random things together and and think about how they might work. I mean, I love cooking. And so I just kind of take that same concept when I'm cooking of, of, you know, Hey, these flavors might taste great together and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And then it's kind of where I, I go with my brewing process as well. I just think of something that might be fun together and how it might fit, you know, the, the flavors together in a, in a beer and, and, and go for it. And sometimes, you know, I was, a lot of times it works. So we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. So that's pretty much all the questions that we got. Um, is there anything that you want to like, let the listeners know? I mean, whether they're in Michigan or in Connecticut or 
Well, I guess the, the biggest thing is that, you know, we're still a pretty small brewery and uh, we're, you know, fairly new on the market. And so a lot of the places aren't carrying us yet. You know, a lot of the local uh, liquor stores, beer stores, um, I'm not sure what you call them in Connecticut, but uh, liquor stores. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they don't, uh, they're not carrying us yet because we're new and we're small. Uh, so ask for us. That's the only way that we're going to get out there is if people say, hey, you know, I heard about this beer. Can you bring it in? I'd like to try it. And if enough people ask, then hopefully they'll bring it in and, and, and then we'll get some get a foothold and um, hopefully hopefully do well, because I, I really believe in our product. So, well, your, yeah. your classic seltzers really made us believers. And we called we called around this week for these and we'll be calling around next week for your uh, holiday one. So for sure. All right, I'll be well, here. <laughs> I'll make sure we let you guys know when they hit the market out there. So you don't waste your time calling around before they're there. No, let us, let us, let us put the name middle coast into their brains. <laughs> All right, yeah, okay, yeah. 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 That's a great idea. Good call. Good call. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's really it. I mean, I just, I think that, you know, like I said, we're, we're a small locally owned family owned company and, and we're trying to, to build in during a, uh, a time when it's, you know, the market's pretty saturated and, and we're, mm-hmm. We're trying to do something different and yet stay classic enough to be available to the people uh, so that it's not like a, an unreachable concept or flavor. You know, some people come up with these great, really cool ideas and concepts that just don't work. And so we're trying to be, you know, walk that line where mm-hmm. we stay small and nimble and do some fun and crazy things, but also just put a good traditional quality product out at the same time. So ask for us. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> we will. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you for your thank time. Thank you so much. For your hey, time. you're welcome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that's the end of our interview uh, with Devin from Middle Coast Brewery, uh, located out of Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, and once again, the holiday seltzers are coming out next week in Connecticut. They're already out in Michigan. Keep your eyes open if you're in Connecticut or the Michigan area. And like Devin said, the best way to get these brews is to just keep calling your local liquor store. And then maybe hopefully they'll start stocking up on it because those holiday seltzers sound really good. And I don't want to miss out on it. You said it. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, guys, for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it and share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on KrakenOneOpen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or basically wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KrakenOneOpen or shoot us an email at KrakenOneOpen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we want to hear more from you. You got any plugs? Oh, I've got a few. If you enjoyed the sound of my voice, I've got two other podcasts I do. I've got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast to do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about movies that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular film was released at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You might find your own Forgotten Gem. Forgotten Cinema is available every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on social medias. Uh, We do an awesome commercial every Thursday. We think they're awesome. They're pretty funny. 
I've also got two player bros, a podcast I do with my buddy Dave, where we're two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave, where we talk about all things video game, PlayStation, Xbox, PC, VR, Nintendo Switch. We have it all. We play it all. And join us every other week for a post game presented by two player bros, where we do a deep dive into your favorite new release or modern classic and talk about how it was made, our thoughts on the gameplay and the story. Two Player Bros is available at twoplayerbros.com or wherever you get your podcasts and both of them and us at Crack and Open are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Aww. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.